0: heads bowed down, we'll
2: gather here on to sing this all the way. Yeah. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Welcome to the show. If, if you haven't heard us before, this show is in a, a couple of different parts, usually smaller parts and larger parts. But the first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate, which is very important in today's world because the courts are semi-closed, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Uh, Today we're accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Now, let me just talk about a couple of changes that are coming up in the world of estate planning and elder law. One is New York State is changing again, the PAV attorney form. That's going to go into effect June 13th. Uh, I don't think the change is really going to have a major impact on how people plan. The only thing is, you know, typical of New York State, if you use the form on June 14th, after the law changes on June 13th, use the form from prior to June 13th, it will be invalid. You know what? It doesn't make any sense. You know, so if you, you got to be very careful. If you print something off the Internet and you're going to use it, it may not be valid if it's the wrong day. So it's crazy, but that's what it is. If you did sign a form before June 13th, it will be valid after June 13th. So you don't have to worry about it. Just make sure you have the right form when you sign. It. And, of course, if you come to Connors & Sullivan, we'll talk that over with you and we'll give you the right form. When the time comes, one of the good parts about power of attorney, and a lot of you have been in this situation, I know there's going to be penalties against a bank if they refuse to accept a power of attorney. Now, knowing banks, their legal departments, they may still try to put some doohickeys into it. And they're obviously not going to just cave in, but, and they're going to give us a hard time here and there. But at the same time, there are penalties now if a bank refuses to accept a properly executed power of attorney. And also the law has said that the PAVA's attorney don't have to be technically, they don't have to be as technically strict in, in their interpretation as they used to be. So if there's a minor typo or something like that, the PAV attorney still should be good. The other thing in this we've talked about in the past, but the Medicaid rules for home care Medicaid, especially if you live in New York City, we First, the law was going to change October 1st. Then the law was going to change January 1st. Now the law, and then April 1st. Now the law at the very earliest will be changing July 1st. And some people are saying that with some of the directors from Washington, that there'd be no decrease in benefits until at least the end of the year, December 31st at the end of this year, that there'd be no decrease in benefits. So there probably not going to be any change until the end of the year going into next year. What does this mean? If you have a relative, let's say, that wants to apply for home care Medicaid, right now we're still under the old law. If we put all their assets in a trust or give them away, I don't usually like giving things away straight out, but if we give them away before, we're going to say right now, May 31st, on July 1st, you can apply for home care Medicaid. So, your safe harbor, no matter what, is to to get everything done by May thirty first. Then you got to wait thirty days, and then you can apply for home care Medicaid on July first. And you know we're not. And, and no matter what, the rules are going to change sometime in the future, whether it's July first or January first. You know, whether it's three months from now or whether it's nine months from now, the laws are going to change. And if you're thinking about applying for home care Medicaid believe me you want to get into the system now you want to get into the system before they change things over and you know if you're if you're hearing some of our seminars on youtube or something you may want to just keep that in mind and and michael if somebody wants to get listen to our seminar on youtube how do they do it if you want to find our seminar on YouTube, because, of course, um, these days it's it's hard to tell exactly when we're going to be able to get together for an in-person seminar, just go to YouTube.com, very simple, go to YouTube.com and type in Connors & Sullivan Video Seminar. That's YouTube.com, Connors & Sullivan Video Seminar. You should see that right there at the top of your search results. Okay, now we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to, Kevin McCullough is going to ask one of our questions on his show.
0: We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org.
3: That's jwcigiving.org. Hi, Kevin McCullough, every week, so honored to be able to present you an actual answer to an actual question posed to Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law. They are the number one premier firm dealing with estate care and elder law in the tri-state area. And, Mike, this week's question comes from Mary. She said, I'm my mother's power of attorney. She wants to change her will but is bedridden and can't go back to her lawyer's office since I am her power of attorney, can I have it changed for her? Mike Connors, what's the leading guidance there?
2: Well, the short answer is no, you cannot change a will with a power of attorney. However, you know, in today's world, we can sign wills. We can, she can change her will by zoom where if she's bedridden, somebody gets a laptop next to her bed or whatever, and we can talk to her and then change her will through zoom right now. So, you know, just because she's bedridden doesn't mean we can't conduct business. And, of course, that that's, uh, you know, great for right now for those people in nursing homes because you can't visit people in nursing homes. But if we get a social worker in a nursing home to set up a computer connection, then we can conduct business.
3: Well, and my guess is if this is Mary's issue, that there may be a number of other people that are uh, desiring to have something similar. Uh, so my 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 guess is they just need to call your office and schedule the appointment to be able to make that happen?
2: Yeah, it's not as hard as some people think. You know, you get a laptop, you get somebody there to to set up the laptop, and you conduct business just like you were in the office.
3: All right, so friends, here's the uh, number to uh, Mike Connors' uh, main office, and you can call and and set up a Zoom meeting with them. You can also, by the way, uh, get a phone consultation from Mike's office on any of your questions about the state care and elder law, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, and if you have a question for Mike Connors, drop that at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. He'll be answering them on his show, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 570 and FM 102.3 The Mission, and Sunday mornings starting at 11 on am 970 the answer mike connors thank you so much thank you kevin i have children how can i protect them if something happens will my
4: assets be lost if i go into a nursing home we have property how it affect the ones still here who will help us take care of grandma
1: with me right now, I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888 943 2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com/Fmelia. Once again, call 888 943 2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement.
0: Frank Milia, NMLS number six two five nine one. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number four zero three five zero three. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike.
2: Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer, and we we. Seems like we've had a lot of old friends on the show recently, but we've got another one of our old friends, Father Paul from the Middle East. Welcome to Connor's Corner.
5: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a blessed day. Who's ever listening to us? Good to be back. And on this one, we're accompanied by my wife, Beth.
2: Hi, everybody. And son, Michael's in the background. Hello, everyone. Okay, so Father Paul, (laughs) you're walking with crutches right now. What happened?
5: Oh, so um, life happened. I think, uh, you know, Beirut, it's it's still a pleasant place to be. It's just from time to time you have explosions like um, August 4th. And um, as you know, explosion was was a a huge one. And it was uh, because uh, for six years someone decided to keep... um, bad things on the boat um, in a Christian area of the port um, in Beirut and um, the explosion was actually provoked because uh, no one was maintaining uh, the whole equipment that ended up in, in that boat so um, half of the city was actually wiped out and uh, we were a part of it because Uh, the neighborhood, uh, the Christian neighborhood, was actually in the center of of that explosion. And where clinic was, I said was because uh, it doesn't exist, only the address. So when that happened, we we, nurses and and myself, we all ended up on a different side of the street. Um, So it's interesting because the very first moment we thought it's going to be like a, a car bomb which is which, that's happening from time to time because they they try to keep the whole nation in such a fearful uh dimension and i'm talking here about um um military groups and and extremists and and hezbollah of course so uh we thought the very first second that must be another car bomb and uh and after we the only thing we remember is that you know we woke up uh and um, in, in a military hospital, which is not far from um, from the seaport, and um, and I think after a few days, I personally I realized what just happened in Beirut when I when I um, when I saw it finally after a couple of days. Uh, the thing is that the explosion um, showed all of us uh, that the government actually did absolutely nothing to to prevent that and to protect uh, the city itself. It's not just about the Christian neighborhood, but it's about the city where the government actually uh, didn't protect us um, uh, effectively. And, uh, you know, everyone, it's, it's interesting because, after all, everyone was talking about, oh, we knew, the, you know, the boat is there and the, the those... Uh, explosive materials are there now everyone knows that something went wrong but no one was talking about it six years ago or five years ago or three years ago to remove it so um you know we've we've lost a lot of people and uh um i've lost my team members uh and nurses as well and and medical helpers so it it was a hard time because at some point uh this is the place uh that i know for 20 years and that was uh, what we built for for, uh, for through all these years. The, the medical clinic, the, uh, the the help for Christians because they didn't have to uh, pay for any service that we provided because we were the one uh, looking for um, a substantial help to to give that help to, to our Christian brothers and sisters in Lebanon. So, you know, when you wake up, you, you don't have like a, a 100% uh, idea what just happened. People are... You know, gradually um, introducing you to certain things, telling you, no, it, it's it's no longer as it was before, and it's you're gonna see a different uh, uh, space now, which is actually an empty space. And after a couple of days, uh, they were telling you that we've lost people that you know. So it was, it still is kind of a, a moment that uh, mentally I have to recover from, and not just physically. Um just because my bones were relocated or my head uh, was bleeding, but also I've lost people that I know for for twenty years and I, I educated them, I gave them the whole bunch of new skills that they could use even after me, um when I'll begun. So what what just happened? It was you know, something that we could easily um we could easily control if, if we if we take uh reasonable decisions before that. So this is what happened, and I think the way the way I walk and the way I have to manage also my pain—it's it's not just a physical pain, but anger. I have to tell you, I, I do, uh, I do have that that anger in me because uh, what just happened happened because someone decided and let it let it happen to us in in Beirut. So I think I'm I'm talking here about a, a huge Christian community in Beirut that was actually paying the price for for negligence, for, for doing absolutely nothing from the from the Lebanese government side. And now the Pope is in Iraq. That also makes me upset for a very simple reason. It's too late for that visit because that would be great to see him when Christians were still there. Now majority of Iraqi Christians are in a refugee camp in Lebanon or in, in, in Jordan. So going now to Iraq, especially now with COVID and everything, I don't know, maybe some of our listeners, they, they may feel uncomfortable with what I'm saying, but um, it's just I'm being myself that um, this is a visit that's supposed to be done uh, you know four or five years ago uh, not now and uh, that would be great to see him I mean the Pope Francis in a refugee camp in, in the middle of, of refugee Christians so he can have a, a pure understanding of what just happened uh, I'm not a big fan of of, of greetings uh, Shia clerks, that's what he did because actually Christians left because of them and uh, the strategy was to eliminate Christianity from the Iraqi social strata and, and perspective. Uh, so anyway, so the, the sadness that I that I have, or, or the anger, is because the explosion itself, or my physical pain, is actually and a, a something that that uh, I have to deal with for for quite some time. But there is an emotional and spiritual pain that I try to uh, that I try to uh, reanalyze uh, with myself where are we going with this we where, where, where is the moment we can say enough is enough where uh, where christianity is 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 now a, a purely persecution of christians from many different angles it doesn't have to be just by killing them but let's see what's what's going on with cops in egypt let's see united states of america a uh, uh, christian community you guys you are persecuted already the the law at some point is actually against you you can't even say what you believe in because someone feel you know offended and then you're gonna have a lawsuit so the way you're persecuted here in the in the in the us it's kind of interesting the the perspective of your persecution but it's no longer a persecution we know from the history it's not just about physically killing christians it's about killing the spirit of christianity it's about eliminating christians from from uh, uh, our local traditions So, the explosion in Beirut showed us, and we know now that suddenly, you know, after the explosion, the government and Hezbollah, they they said, yes, we knew that there was a boat, that there was a lot of materials that shouldn't be there. Why are you doing this? Why are you saying this uh, to us now? You're supposed to be doing your job years ago. So, um, losing people is always a pain. It's like when you lose a family member. So, it's... You're grieving, but uh, you know it it takes. It's gonna take. It's gonna take some time. But what I try to uh, convey here, as as a message of hope, since Easter is coming, so my whoever is listening to us, my friend, you always have to remember that if there is a reason behind that, and you don't know that because I don't know, just take your time. And one day, I'm sure one day we will we will see the whole image, the whole picture of of many of our life situations where we couldn't really get uh any understanding of but maybe we just have to be patient that's what i'm trying to do and sometimes if if you have uh i would say un-christian thoughts in your mind do not run away uh or, or don't call your your uh pastor or, or parish priest at the same time because sometimes you just need to ex- you know ex- you know um you just need to expose yourself with that anger where the healing process will start and sometimes you may say some bad words but uh, it's it's all it's all about that pain that and, and grief that you have to deal with so don't give up out there because easter is coming and it's all about hope and yes i'm moving slowly but uh, i'm moving so and i'm still alive so i think that's a it's i, I consider it as a as a new New passport that I have for life, and and hopefully I can use whatever left from my life for for a good reason. But uh, it's 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 it is it's going to be a whole process of healing that I'm not sure it's already the process I started. But I, I think about because it's still a lot of anger that I experience.
2: Father, let me ask you something because you got to remember a lot of our listeners they they may have heard you twenty times before, mm. but they have never maybe they've never heard your voice before. And, and mm. every once in a while I get an email. For people asking more about you, now what what is your mission? What is your background?
5: So uh, I'm a Capuchin friar, which is a Franciscan movement. If you know Saint Francis from Assisi, he's the one that created uh, that Franciscan movement, showing people that the gospel it's all about it's all about the interaction, uh, the positive interaction where we can all develop uh, our own um, spiritual skills to to survive the madness around us. So, St. Francis from Assisi, I'm a Capuchin friar, I'm also a physician, vascular surgeon, and uh, and it's a great combination because if I cannot help people uh, magically, I'll, I'll try to help them uh, in, in a spiritual way. Uh, I think being, being a Franciscan in general, it, it's good to be a rebel, and as you remember, St. Francis from Assisi was a rebel, and I like to be a rebel, and, and sometimes I do have some ideas about the Church as a structure, that we have to kind of um, shake a little bit, but it's going to take some time. So, being a carpenter, friar, a physician, and, and a human being, uh, open to to learn, uh, this is actually that's that's what I'm doing. And uh, you know, my father's from Norway, my mom was from Poland, and uh, so it's a good Caesar salad that I have as as my DNA, and they they've met together, and I'm um, the result from 1975, the best year ever.
4: You know, what, I'm afraid that we didn't get all of the news from. I'm going to go back to the explosion, sure, because I have no idea how many people died. Mm. Yeah, you know, I have no idea.
5: So we've lost um people who died. We we've lost 240 people, but the, these are statistics from the government. So usually, when you have those official statistics, you have to triple them. And uh, around 2,000 people were were harmed. And injured. So you have to triple these numbers too, because half of the city and Beirut. I'm talking about two million people. The population of Beirut is about two million. If half of the city was wiped out, Beth, you can imagine. You can do the math. I mean, right. there's there's no way just that 200 people died or only 2,000 people were injured. Right. The government it will never give you the the the, the those exact numbers. But I, you know, when I walked around and and I know this this place for 20 years so i know it's more than that and and it, also the saddest part of of it was that we couldn't get help from the outside uh to even find um victims of the explosion um somewhere underground or being trapped in in their buildings because the government refused to accept the help from from the outside from different countries so Hezbollah, for example, there's a Norwegian team of of firefighters and and engineers and and they, they Hezbollah decided not to let them in and they were already at the airport in Beirut. They arrived to the airport. They were Why? already in in the, within the Lebanese territory, and they were and um, they were not um welcomed and they they the Hezbollah decided to send them back. Uh, I mean, what would you like me to say? It's it's even more uh, it's even more frustrating that. We needed help, and the government didn't help us. But the foreign help was not accepted by the government. I don't know the the question of pride, whatever the reason was. It it wasn't really a reasonable. Right. to uh, to do the well, way they what's did. What's the it.
2: interaction between Hezbollah and the government?
5: That's a very good question. You know, the the government itself it's a combination now of 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 course Hezbollah and different parties. But the problem is that um how is possible that that kind of organization has more power than the Lebanese army how is possible that they have more arms how is possible that they're way more e- well uh, equ- equipped with with the um with the military equipment than the, mil- than the Lebanese army and we also know that iran is supporting uh, financially them uh, for for years so uh, I would say, and, and Lebanese people, if if you go and, and talk to them, they're sick and tired of that situation because we are trapped within that political context because there is no way to move out. Why? Because they will never, never allow us to be independent because uh, the money makers are actually people who are dealing with Iran. We don't want to have anything in common with Iran. And the Lebanese, the, the Lebanese people, the as as a community, uh, of Christian, they're super frustrated for all these years, uh, no jobs, no no um, uh, stable life. Everything it's it's connected, you know. If, if you are a Muslim, you're gonna be okay. If you're not, you're gonna be miserable. And this is twenty first century, so so I, I think also you know th- th- this is the six months, and we, this is the third government in six months, and each government is resigning after one month and a half because they know they are not really capable of of doing any reforms because Hezbollah will never let them do this. Right. So you're trapped really in that whole situation. And, you know, COVID now and, and, and people, you know, before they were on the streets to protest, uh, but now, you know, they're running out of, uh, out of food. And that should be the very first thing to fix for the government, to provide food for their own citizens. How it's possible that in Tripoli, which is by the Syrian border, all bakeries were closed because there is no gas, there is no oil, there is no generators, there is no electricity because the government is not providing them. So how are you going to bake things? You need to, you need to at least an open fire. So so again, uh, uh, medications now. Uh, if you don't let those huge um, organizations to with the help, uh, if you don't let them in, I mean, where are you going to get help uh, from from China? Are you kidding me? There's plenty of organizations well, willing to help. The thing is that they're all blocked from, from entering the country. I remember when I was living in Beirut, the guy at the airport told me just, you know, don't say bad things about us. What would you like me to say? I'm going to say all things and most of them will be bad because you you we are a, a kind of a victim of the political concept of, of the government that we have nothing to do with. I mean, we sh- we're supposed to feed people, help them magically, spiritually, And, you know, let life comes to you. What's wrong with this? That you have to always, you know, if you have six hours of of electricity in Lebanon, it's 21st century. Where is this going? Why for the six hours of of electricity I have to calculate how many surgeries I can do? Where is, I mean, where's the the limit of nonsense that we have to live with? And and the Christian community, they are perfectly right. They should be perfectly uh, frustrated in a way that the the Western Christianity has no idea about uh, what they're going through because also in the, in the mainstream media this is not a topic, this is not a topic, and and do you remember when when ISIS killed, um, you know, thirty or forty people on the beach in Egypt? They were all they were all dressed in, in orange. No one even mentioned that the, all of them are Christians. Right. The the news was I remember CNN, uh, uh, the Clinton News Network, that. Um, they just killed thirty people, but they right. didn't say they killed Christians, right. because the message will be different from now, from now on. And and I think and, and now the visit in Iraq, okay, God bless uh, their hearts, but that that would be great to see Pope Francis in the middle of the refugee camp, where the reality is. Why won't he go? Because he has horrible advisors that are with him in Iran, because because I think um, he, he may have a general understanding, but you know how it is, who's providing the information to him? Who's telling him this is what happened? Uh, Who is selecting those informations? Because it's about the selection. So maybe he has a a great intention to be here and there. But someone has to tell him, you know, since Iraqi Christians are now in in refugee camp in in Lebanon or in in Jordan, let's go there. Instead of going to Baghdad or Mosul where, you know, very few Christians left. And also having all those meetings with, with Shia clerics. I mean, what's the point? Their strategy was to eliminate Christianity. Why would you do this? So, again, I have nothing against the Pope itself. It's just his advisors didn't do the job. There's there's the homework to do to analyze the situation. No one asked us, walking there in the field, what do you think about it? What what do you think we should do? Where to go? Who is the person to talk to? No one even addressed, uh, never addressed these, these questions in this issue. So... I'm 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 afraid that the help that we provide for our Christian community, it's it's the help face to face. It's it's help provided here that we can bring to Beirut because uh, there's no other way around. Because the government, you know, even if I do the wire transfer through Western Union, that I realized I think a few days ago, 35 percent of the transfer goes to Lebanese government. So if you send hundred dollars the um um uh, um the the tra- the transfer union um platform why thirty something percent goes to the Lebanese government for, for what? So this is this is insane. So so I, I think Christianity now in the Middle East it's 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 not just a struggle for, for centuries. Now it's 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 open, it's official. We want you to be persecuted. That's the strategy of 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 those uh, of of these governments and and it's really upsetting because also I, I understand that that the Christian community can be frustrated, but you can be frustrated and see certain logistics going on to help, so we can go and do better. But all these logistics are blocked by the Lebanese government. Medical right. equipment that I could easily bring from here. How do you want me to send it out? Right. And what if at the end of the day I will I will go there to, I, I'm I'm I, I'll go to Beirut, and at the at the at the airport those all those guys and soldiers will tell me you know but you have to pay to to have it back, right. which is another like a black market for for a lot of stuff. So so I think explosion. I think the uh, the 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 pain that the Lebanese people have to deal with, it's something that I wish I could do more and help them, but. Um the the all these logistics are, are blocked by, by the government and it's it's even more upsetting because people they have no access to their money, but the government sends a lot of money to their accounts outside of, of Lebanon. They could easily do this because they were lying to to people. And a few days ago a huge story in Tripoli where people people are hungry because there's no food in Tripoli. And Tripoli was always uh, mistreated or, or as forgotten city for, for many governments. But it's 21st century and you're telling people there's no more bread. And if you know the Arab bread is, is a, f- a flat kind of, you know, uh, you know great taste and, and it's not really expensive to, to bake. But if you don't have equipment, if you don't have proper equipment and people trying to do so, how are you going to do this? 21st century. On, on YouTube, you see service people struggling for food. The job doesn't exist, the job market. Especially when on your ID it's written, you know, you're a Christian. So so the persecution they have there, you have a different type of persecution in the US. And and I I'm, I'm I hope you know it already, that you are a persecuted group of people. And you will be persecuted for many different reasons. But, you know, also these days something I, I have I don't understand why being a, a patriot is it's now a it's a connection to being a nationalist. I don't understand that connection. Usually when you when you fight for your own country, when you when you share your country values, that, that was usually a good thing when I was a child.
4: Uh, things are twisted.
5: Yeah, these days, you know, these days it's gonna harm you if, if you say I'm I'm a patriot, you know, and and it's kind of, you know, in, in Lebanon it's all about patriotism because people would like to stay in Lebanon. This is their land, this is their history, this is their traditions. But suddenly, someone is telling them, this is not your home anymore. These values are no longer our values. And that's what's what's happening here in the U.S. Someone is telling you, your your upbringing, your Christian upbringing, your traditions have no importance, and it's it's gone.
4: Well, we're being told they're bad.
5: Yes. Yes. So so I think there's a moment you have to say, enough is enough. And you have to stand up for yourself or for your own community because – I don't understand why some communities, they, they have a voice, and, and everyone is concerned about their voices, but no one's concerned about your voice as a Christian. And it doesn't mean are you are a Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist. We are all uh, kind of sharing the same gospel, which is a message of hope. But sometimes you have to say, you know, enough is enough. You have to you have to say, this is what I believe in, and this is my life. Why should I change it? Who's going to force me to do this? But the whole trajectory of, of certain politics here in the U.S., it's it's what happened in Europe, that churches are empty because for years, you know, everyone is telling people you know, religion is no more important than spirituality, and suddenly you have a very high rate of, of suicides because if you if you don't have help from many different angles, and where would you like to go? You just you jump out of window, and and I think it's a it's a wake up call to all of us, and COVID also showed us that suddenly if you have a lot of technology and money, it doesn't matter. If you get sick, you need someone next to you who's going to give you a cup of tea. And these days, a lot of people, especially in Europe, they woke up, they've had millions, but no one next to them to, to, to help them. Why? Because we believe that what we have is forever, What we took everything for granted. And COVID actually showed us in Europe and, and maybe in the US as well, that being... Uh, uh, being um the age of 65 or more, no one is interested in you. And that's kind of uh, also upsetting that, you know, I remember in my family, you know, grandparents, uh, great-grandparents, their, their wisdom was really something that we were looking for because they knew it, they, they've seen it all. Now it looks like, you know, and, and God forbid, if you don't have insurance here in the U.S., you, you're you going to die in the middle of the street. So where are we going with this nonsense I don't I don't, I don't know and now you know everyone is, is also speculating about you know what kind of world uh, we live in and the very first decision of the new president was to attack some some places in in Syria so we're going for another war in the Middle East somewhere we barely know what's going on but anyway I believe that you know it's it's a wake-up call to all of us and I believe that uh, it shows us, for one more time, that you know life is full of unpredictable situations. But if you have faith and if you believe that there is hope at the end of of your 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 uh, personal tunnel, uh, we will make it. It's just it's, it's a question of time. But you have to be open to to admit that there's it's no longer your own power because you don't have it. You need a divine intervention, and that's what it is.
4: Well, as you know, I was extremely. I was angry at you because you did not let me know how hurt you were physically at everything. And um, we have a wonderful audience. Mm -hmm. And we all want to pray for you and with you. I know you lost, you know, dear friends and colleagues um, I, I'm sorry. Three nurses were killed. Yes, yes. Um, and I just, everyone in the audience. I would like for us to get together just every time, just every once in a while, pray for Father Paul, and pray for his mission and those who who, who were lost. We do love you. We love you. I know,
5: you. and I think that's that's the only reason I'm still alive. It's just. The um, the pain is 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 about where's the end of all that nonsense? You know where's the where's the the moment that you're gonna say we should do something about it? I mean we should go to a different direction and and start, start have a discussion with um, within our communities. Where would you like to be from now in ten years? If you're gonna be if you want to be spiritually and mentally dead. It's your choice, but it doesn't mean this, it's my choice at the same time. And and I I understand that I didn't talk much about what, what happened to me because I still, I wouldn't say I celebrate anger. No, it's just I try to keep a low level of that anger. I
4: understand.
5: You know, and it's, sometimes it just drives me crazy because I wake up in the morning, not just because of the equipment that I have, but the thing is 20 years of my work just went. I know. I Just went out, and and no one is asking questions from the Lebanese government. You know, like, hey, Father Paul, you were helping us for twenty years. You're not even from Lebanon, right? You you were helping us, so we're gonna help you now. And we I didn't I didn't get that message. And the think is also that when you wake up in a military hospital and people are telling you, no, it's no longer the way it was before, you have no idea what they're talking about right. until the moment you go and see it. When you see it. Your anger just goes ballistic because right. you you know you know what happened in one minute, and a lot of lives, people I know for so long, people we we we've trained we and I always I was always telling them I'm not gonna be here forever. One day I'm gonna have a heart attack or a stroke. You have to continue as it is. That's why I'm training you. So when when you see that we could easily do something about that explosion before the explosion i would i would be in a way different position now and as you remember for all these years when i was in the united states i was collecting money for generators for incubators for medical equipment because i believed that we we have to keep going and and knowing that the government did absolutely nothing to protect us from that explosion it makes you even more angry and 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 I apologize for for keeping certain informations limited, because every time I saw a laptop to write an email, I was getting frustrated. And I was afraid if I'm going to put everything in that email and it goes out, how people will read it, because right. people may think, you know, oh, he's a Capuchin friar, he's supposed to be like, you know, in good faith. No, I'm a human being too. We're getting angry sometimes. But if you live in a country from one war to another with six hours of electricity, with a government who send you a fine because the street was not, uh, uh, you know, uh, after the explosion using clean up the street, how can you... Can how- you
2: repeat that again for our audience? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like classic New York City, but go ahead, tell them that. Yeah,
5: so so the, the reason why I was saying you are frustrated because after the explosion... The Lebanese government was sending people to my place in Beirut to give me a fine, which is around two hundred uh, uh, um, dollars now, because the street—I didn't clean up the street it's after rubble, the explosion. Yeah, right. It's rubble. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you—you you don't do this to to your own people, and it's not like I showed up in Beirut t- three months ago. Twenty years—they know my address, they know who am I, they know what I'm doing. But but they—they they had the courage to send a guy who knew how the building actually doesn't exist anymore but he was looking for me after all these weeks to give me a fine because uh, there's a law in Lebanon you have to uh, present a fine in person to a person so he was looking for me every single time until the moment I left the military hospital and and he found me and and I, I I couldn't even believe and I was like I told him in Arabic language look around. Do we have cars? No. Do we have gas? No. Because there's nothing you provide us uh, to us to to, to to clean it up. How would you like me? People I know, they're no longer here. Who's going to do this? But they gave me a fine. So if that's the same thing in New York City, I mean, good luck with this.
2: Yeah, well, Bill de Blasio will give you a fine if somebody breaks your window and there's glass out front and he'll give you a fine for uh,
5: littering. So it looks like nonsense is everywhere. As yeah. well, That's in New where York. it begins. Listen, yeah. I got
2: well, yeah. some people who complain to me, Father. They want to know where to contribute, and they'd like to know if you're going to start your own not-for-profit. For you know, and, and I think you can announce today that you're going to start working on that, and we're going to try to get it done in the next couple of weeks.
5: Absolutely, Mister Yes, So, so all my friends who are just listening to us, yes, we will start a non-profit uh, organization and. Uh, We'll let you know all these details pretty soon. Uh, and I think it's it's a good moment to, to think about it. And I know you've been asking how how you can help. So we'll have a legal structure for all your help, which is amazing because it also will give you a chance to to know more about what we're doing there and, and to participate. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. And from the legal perspective, it's going to take um a few weeks or whatever it takes we're ready to do this because i i know also from mr connor's from beth and from from people i know that you would like to help us it's just you you were looking for a a structure how to do this so that structure will will be soon um organized and we'll let you know but from my end i just want to say thank you to all those donations that you sent to connor's and sullivan we received all these donations. We've been using them. That's why I know that you know the Lebanese government was was using 30% of, of your money for their own, uh, for their purposes, whatever it is. But all this from you know whatever donation was, uh, provided. I'm I'm really grateful for that because you you cannot even imagine that every single dollar counts. Uh, in in Lebanon now, and I really, really appreciate your help. So don't don't overanalyze. You know, maybe you didn't send enough. Every single dollar counts. So it doesn't matter how much money you're gonna send us. It's it's the help that you want to give us, and the structure that we are creating, the non-profit uh, structure, will help us to keep up with with everything in in the right way. And I'm really, really grateful for. For all your donations, but also to Mr. Connors and Beth and and their sons Mike, to you know to help me to organize everything because you know how much do I know about law. I barely know my name. Sometimes, when I wake when I wake up in the morning, and as you know, I live in a, in a friar where, where some of my friars are are ready to chat at four a.m. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I still love my life, and I still love to be a Capuchin friar and, and a physician and being a human being. So soon, the structure will be will be developed and organized. We'll let you know.
4: Well, we're not going to abandon you. Okay? I know,
5: I know that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I feel like a. Uh, a part of the family, and and I always telling you about that I'm your adopted son. So, it's, let's yeah. It's, well, we love you. It's and a we'll, pure pleasure.
4: If we need to build something else over there, we we'll will. Do. We'll okay? do. We'll do. Absolutely. And my
5: my dream is Absolutely. one day to take Mike, uh, your son, one day with me when everything will be kind of okay with the situation because I want to show him how vivid Christian community is, how these people are excited about their faith how they're excited about the gospel and for all these centuries for all these ah bad time they went through um they would never change their their faith for any reason it's just it's it's their identity it's what they but do
2: but
4: to shame
5: yeah absolutely
2: well i'll be working with you on the nonprofit now so yes
5: yes and i'm really really grateful for that yes and to all our listeners i mean don't forget mr connors and ask him all kind of questions <laughs> i've learned much about taxes now i had no idea about it before now i know but you don't ask me about taxes you ta- you only ask uh, lawyers mr connors so thank you so much again and beth all
2: right because Good. that's the point we want to keep money out of the hands of the government no matter what government <laughs> yes, it is. yes yes We got to work on lebanon i don't exactly. know too much about it but yes, we've got to keep the money out of lebanon absolutely if hands. you
5: would like to help us and and you have something in your basement, a collection of, of bills. You can send them to us through the nonprofit organization, and we will make a a, a good usage of it. You don't have to provide this to, to any government because you know where it's going to end up, in, in a bad place. Father
2: Paul, thank you for joining us.
5: Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. And happy Easter, if I don't hear from you guys, uh, to all our listeners and, and uh Uh, people that uh, admire Mr. Connor's work Happy Easter to all of you and to all of us
0: I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God I just had everything under control and church was actually a a burden to me
4: I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time gradually quit going
1: No, I didn't take my faith seriously which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with You can
0: have a beautiful car a big fancy home. But if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there.
1: We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic
4: Church, I'm a new person. I love it.
3: There's peace in our home that we didn't have before.
4: You're coming home to a
0: Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today.
2: Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. You know, one thing, Beth, about it was almost heartbreaking to see Father Paul, you know, and what this man has suffered for his faith.
4: I was so upset. We, you know, when there was the explosion, we had been trying to get in touch with him, and it took a long time. And the message that we got back from him was, um... He was okay. The clinic was gone. Um, three nurses were lost. Um, but he was okay. Don't worry. And then when we first saw him, he he can barely walk. He's got, you know, the crutches up to your elbow walking. And um, his head, the major major injuries to his head. It was three days after the explosion before he woke up. And that was when he was in the the military hospital. Um, His injuries are such that he still has his head covered. And this goes back to August the 4th. Isn't that right?
2: Yeah, August 4th was the date of the explosion. So, you know, and and, and listen, I really do want to thank everybody who supported Father Paul and his mission and has said, checks over here to, to this office, and you can continue to do that. But we have been talking with Father Paul. We're going to set up a separate not-for-profit sometime soon with its own address where you're going to be able to send the check straight to him. And, you know, it shouldn't be any problem getting a charitable donation or whatever for that. shouldn't have been a problem anyway because the checks were going to his province, the Franciscan friars, so the Capuchin friars. So we should... I want him to get things a little bit more organized. He's going to be in the States for another couple of months. And hopefully when we we'll get together and try to have a fundraiser for Father Paul and his mission, sometime before he gets he goes back to Lebanon in May, we got to get together some of our buddies like Joe Piscopo and whatever and see if we can help doing a fundraiser.
4: I, I don't want him to lose. If we can help him rebuild his clinic by the grace of God, it would be the best gift we could give him, because he—he's uh, hurt. He's hurt. All right.
2: Well, thank you for listening, as the lawyer. We're we'll going to be back, God willing, on the same times and stations next week. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hey, Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.